don't try and be something you're not. That's where the discomfort comes in. We need to get to know our true character rather than the personalities that we've adopted because we've been trying to fit into this mad, crazy world that we've been born into. This is the Live Into Your Brilliance podcast with me, Al Kenny, and my partner in crime, Mark Billows Bilby. This is the place where we shine a light on the brilliance and the truth of the human condition, whilst blow up the illusions that get in our way. Awesome to have uh, Jules with us today. I came across Jules for the first time in a in a Michael Neal um, um, teaching, some sort of class that we were both on at the time, and. Jules both wowed me and scared me in equal measure in a uh, a group breakout where she was like really engaging and opened up lots of insights and then told me that if she was my coach, she would take me to a street corner in Brighton and make me talk to strangers. Um, <laughs> and somehow from there, we have gone on and uh, created a really cool friendship and uh She's this like awesome uh, lady and an incredible coach. Um, Jules, we're gonna, we want Jules to share her story, but um, lots of people will know Jules is either a confidence coach or the transformational coach. And what I love about Jules's mission is like, essentially Jules, I understand it, you're pretty much on a mission to make yourself redundant by helping as many people as possible in the world to just realize how much innate brilliance and confidence and everything that they have such that if they could all see it they would realize they didn't need you or anyone else to uh to help them in the world is that is that kind of fair is that is that the mission it absolutely is the mission you know to 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 you know walk into a, a room of people and not be this this role this job of coach not be required i think we'll always probably always need some kind of elder figure, mentor kind of role within our lives because we're always going to be evolving and looking to do something different. But but this depth of knowing who we really are, I think, would make such an amazing difference to the world. So, yeah, I'd love to make this job redundant. Nice. Well, I think we would agree with you on that. That's kind of one of the, almost the purpose of this uh, podcast is to help shine a light on that innate brilliance that, that everyone's got. Um, we the, the way we do this, Jules, is really simple and straightforward. We kind of only have uh, really, it's kind of really two questions that um, we use as our, the source of all conversation and they seem to flow really nicely. Um, one, which is, how or where you know you heard the best news you ever heard which you're kind of pointing to and so we would love for you to tell everyone a bit about your story and and you know how you came across you know this understanding that we point to and then the second question which will kind of flow into from there is you know what are the, what are the illusions that you see that have been either blowing up or been blown up uh, for you in a big way in terms of thought illusions that if more people could see through them, you think could um, could be really be really beneficial. Um, but maybe you could, um, if that gives you enough, we'd love to hear and share, you, you know, your story and, and kind of go from there, if that's okay. Of course. The, the, thank you both for inviting me, by the way. I think that there's very few people that come into 
any form of transformational understanding that have haven't been at the depths themselves there's got to be a reason why they're seeking it's it's the rare person that's seeking for the sake of seeking as opposed to actually hitting that tough place and then going do you know what there's got to be something else although that being said i've always known ever since i can remember that there's something more the phrase that i always had was there's something more to life i didn't have a way of articulating i didn't really have anyone i could talk to about it but I just had this niggle that there's there's something more to life. I know there's something more to this. But as a, as a young kid, I was desperately um, seeking approval uh, in a family that were all, the majority of them, diff- very, very different to myself. So my way of expressing myself was through song and dance and just being silly. Um, and for a lot of my family, that was embarrassing and too much and loud. And so I just shut myself down and down and down. And in that process of shutting myself down, um, I was trying to then deal and cope with life. So reached out to alcohol, well, food initially, then alcohol, then smoking and then drugs. Um, and it all got really messy, basically. And it was through my lack of knowing what to do, not really having anywhere to go with that, that, that then I, I personally hit rock bottom. Um, I think I was in my late 20s. Um, and attempted suicide and thankfully failed. And coming out of that, um, I then went for counselling and I only had one counselling session and just remember coming out of there going, that's not for me. And knowing that I didn't want to die, but I also didn't want to live the way that I was living. I didn't want to be in the... um, I wouldn't have articulated it that this way then, but I didn't want to be didn't want to be in the suffering that I was in. I didn't want to be in the discomfort, the hatred, self-hatred that I was in. And someone um, gave me uh, a kind of like a nudge towards coaching. I'd already done tons and tons of reading from the spiritual world but I'd never really uncovered coaching. And the spiritual world for me, the, all of the stuff I'd read was, was sort of in two directions. It was either you're reaching out to whatever you refer to as a god or gods, and that's what you're looking to solve things for you. Or it was you're looking to uh, spirits in, or angels, and there was some other guys. So it was always an external reach out, which I'd done for years and years, but hadn't found any sort of resolution. And the coaching that I initially experienced, it was like someone smacked me around the face and just went, no, 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 you're looking in the wrong direction. And I was like, no, 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 but they're going to they're gonna sort it all out for me. Out there, they're going to sort it all out. And it was a quote that, that turned things on my head, <laughs> me on my head, really, um, because I'd spent so many years blaming my upbringing, blaming uh, where I, not only the environment, but the the education system, basically anything, you know, growing up under Margaret Thatcher, you know, any opportunity to blame anything else, rather than seeing that there was any part that I had to play within it, which meant I was then looking for the external world to resolve the discomfort that I was experiencing. Um, and it was a quote, I don't know if I read it or someone said it to me. I, I can't remember the, where I originally came across it, but it was an Eleanor Roosevelt quote. 
which is no one can make you feel inferior without your consent. And I was like, you what, what? Are you saying? And how I heard it was, oh, so this is my fault. So I then turned it into a self-abuse kind of thing. This is my fault. I shouldn't have been this way. But actually, the more I explored it, the more I began to realize it's, it wasn't about it's your fault, you've done it wrong, waggy finger. It was, um, oh, hang on a second, I'm giving them permission to do this. I, I'm placing myself as less than them. Oh, well, what if that's not true? And it was kind of like my head exploded. I didn't know where to go with that. Um, but I started on the journey of coaching and and so many, so many things have tumbled out of that. But that would be my my initial spin around on it was realizing that that I had responsibility, but that didn't mean blame. They're very, very different things. Um and it just gave me an opportunity to realize that I could do so. I had a way out. I didn't know a way out before then. Um, and that was, that was such a significant turning point for me. And Jules, when you say you saw a way out, if someone was to ask you, like, what was the way, what's the way out? Like, what, what do you now see it as? And, and out of what? Like, just out of the inner turmoil that I was in. And, and, you know, the, the quote that came into my head, which is why I was kind of chuckling, was the, the way out is in um, because it's, it's, um, it's quotes that get – quotes that stick and have been chucked around and become a bit pl- cliches because actually there's a great deal of truth in them. Um, and the, the way out of the turmoil, inner turmoil that I was experiencing was to go in not to indulge it, not to um, amplify it, not to, again, not to torture myself about it, but to actually look for any, was there any validity? So the mantra that I had for myself was that I'm a fat, ugly, stupid, unlovable cow. That was my mantra. Okay, is there any validity in that? I wasn't trying to positive mindset myself out of it or affirm myself out of it. It was the changing really started to come as, is there any validity in that statement? Rather than just automatically assume, because I've thought it, it must be true. Thoughts are not facts. They're just thoughts. So if I want to engage with it, the way out of the turmoil of that thinking was to, was to turn and look at it and go, okay, if it, is there any validity to that? If there is, then I need to look at that. And if there isn't, then I'm going to put that down because I only want to be engaging with valid. It's, it's kind of a conversation that we've had, Al, around coaching exercises and them, them manifesting in the moment. When we're present, these, these, these exercises will appear because they just come to us in that moment. And we will reuse them if they're valid in the next moment, they will just reoccur to us for to do that exercise again. It's not like, oh yeah, right, okay, must do that every time on the third session, in first hour in. You know, it, it's is this is this still valid? And it's the same thing with our thinking. Is this thought that I had yesterday might have had it a gazillion times, but is it actually valid, or is it just something I've heard? So, so for example something that I carried around for a long time in relation to being different from my family was 
my aunt used to introduce my brother as this is my lovely nephew. And then she'd turn to me and go, and this is my annoying niece. So I perceived myself as annoying. I must be annoying. And I've said it to so many friends that I've met up with. I'm like, yeah, but I would have been really annoying at work. And they're like, why, why, why are you saying that? Oh, because, I, because I'm annoying. It's, you know, it's a label I took on board. And I believed that that was true until I looked at it and went, oh, no, hang on a second. I was annoying as a child or the behavior I was doing was annoying as a child to that aunt because I wasn't playing by her rules. So therefore there was an annoyance because I wasn't following their rules, but that doesn't make me wrong. doesn't make her rules wrong. It's just the two are just not compatible. <laughs> yeah. So just to, 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 to a point of, of a way out was, I think I got so, the thinking of being a fat, ugly, stupid, useless, unlovable cow was so intense and so heavy, but I believed it to be true. Now I know it's not. And I don't have to affirm that I'm anything other than, than that, that phrase because I don't have to. I just know I'm not that phrase. It's, mm -hmm. it's not something that I need to engage with anymore. Was that, um, was that a gradual process for you? You know, firstly to see that your thinking is not the truth. You know, that's what I hear like that to really see that your thinking is not the truth. And then, you know, what it sounded like is that inspection almost like that. Yeah. Like inspection is the word that comes to mind. It's, oh, hang on. Is that actually valid? And what was the process? Like how long or did it take you to kind of, see through it and to let go of it because I and the reason I ask is because that seems I think there's not a human being in the world that hasn't lived in a a self-defeating illusion of thought like some self-thought that's not not helpful not useful not healthy um and so I would imagine that many people might be listening thinking, okay yeah like I have some of those thoughts but what what do you do next? Mm. How do you do what? What? How do you do that? And how long? How long should it take? And you know, what should I do if it pops back in again? You know, because because they because they do, don't they? So I'm, I'm just curious about how you talk to that. Or well, the first thing I think is you've got to get rid of a timeline. Whether whether you're putting your timeline as five minutes, five years, or fifty years, you've got to get rid of the timeline because there are going to be some people who can hear these kinds of conversations and it is a full-on awakening life-changing nothing's ever going back the same way it was again i am not one of those people <laughs> not in any stretch of the imagination but equally you know if i'm if i i am only it's only going to be harder if i'm going yeah but i should know it by now yeah but i should know it by now yeah but i should know it by now if i put any kind of linear process to it then I'm only gonna fuck myself over every time if I'm putting that linear process to it so that that's got to go and it becomes my my phrase is you've got to be kind with what you find and it's it's recognizing each step along the way what I what I notice is or how the analogy that I use is that the first time I looked into this I it was like I I'd 
walked into a room of my house that I didn't even know existed and there was a whole ton of books and information there that I didn't know was there. And I'm like, holy crap. And I got, I got excited and I started and I wanted to learn stuff. So I'm kind of taking it all in and I hit a point and I'm like, okay, I think I've got one more book to go and then that's it. I'm going to have got it all. And I go to take that book off the shelf. And as I take it off the shelf, that wall opens up to reveal another library. Now, initially I was like, oh, for God's sake, not more. I thought I got it. And that's where I was screwing myself over. And I did that for far too long of just every time I got to that point, I was like, but I thought I had it. I thought I had it. Now it's like, oh, okay, there's something else here. And I think it's just, it's the proverbial layering of the onion. You know, there's, there's more and more and more. And, and one of my clients um, has said on numerous occasions, I thought I dealt with that. I'm like, no, no, no. You thought you had dealt with it at the level of thinking that you had at that point. Now you're at a different point. So you're going to look at it from a different angle. So it's not right or wrong. It's not to be sorted out. It's just just seeing something that you hadn't seen before. And I think that when the change for me has been by, by dropping the need to get it by a certain point or in a certain way or for it to look a certain way, the, the ease that's happening more and more is, is through curiosity and and being like, oh, okay, so I didn't see that. Okay, so how did I not see that before? So I think patience is another thing that I would chuck in there that is so important. And and I, I run a membership group in a, um, in February. The, the the community chooses a theme each month, and in February they decided they wanted to look at love, but not just any kind of love, self love. So we did a deeper dive into self love. And what we were looking at was, are there stepping stones toward that? Because to just invite someone to just be in full self-love was, for some of them, actually really quite unnerving because they they didn't even like themselves. So how could I possibly go from not liking myself to self-love? So we were looking at all these different possible stepping stones that some might be bigger gaps and things that can help you get there. And two that came out for pretty much everybody was patience and kindness. And I think that there is, we don't display enough of that toward ourselves. And especially when it, when we decide to do inner work, because we're going to see stuff that we didn't know was there. We knew and we've been hiding. We didn't want to see. Um, but the more we can, we can be kind with what we find. I think the easier it can become to take this journey. Mm. I used to think when I found something that, that that was the problem. Do you know what I mean? Like that actually you would be like, oh shit, there's something else that's, that's wrong. Versus the flip is just, um, and I'd love to explore conditioning at some point in this conversation. But that every time you find something, that's the point almost to get excited because it's like the, oh, brilliant. I found something. And it's like finding a hidden piece of wiring in the system that's causing, it's causing things, the fuse to blow out every time. And you're like, oh, brilliant. I found that. And if, if I just now see through it. I can give you a real world example of that that happened recently because, it, because I, I, 
I did something which in that moment, if I'd have, if somebody had asked me in that moment, why are you doing that thing? I'd have gone because I'm being really kind. And basically I paid somebody an invoice that was two months outstanding because we couldn't find a way to make the payment. I suddenly went, oh, hang on a second. I've got that person's PayPal. So if I pay that person by PayPal, then they can pay them. So that's why I just went, that's so much easier. So I thought I was doing a really good thing. And if you'd have asked me in that moment, that's what I'd have said. So that's what I did. And the person whose PayPal I sent it to came back and was basically, it is not okay for you to have made that decision. And in that moment, I was like, that's really freaking uncomfortable to see. But she's absolutely bob on. I didn't, there was no consulting. There was no, no, no kind of checking. It was just, this is on my to-do list. And it's upsetting me that I haven't paid this invoice it's upsetting me that I can't get the bank to sort it out. So I want to find resolution. It was all about me. So her coming back at me immediately created a charge that I just didn't even know it was there. Now, if that had have happened, I don't know how long ago, but if that, I'd have wanted to pick up the phone and chat to her and explain and justify and all of that kind of stuff, rather than just going, oh yeah, I can see that now. And, and it's so often we just don't, we don't want to see something that we perceive as, as, as wrong or we shouldn't have done that. So we displace it rather than face it. There's another little rhyme there. I'll have to remember that one. <laughs> <laughs> Jules, I'm at the top of the conversation. You said something which like it almost broke my heart because it's, um, you know, it's something that I I find very sad in that you were this happy-go-lucky kid who loved to dance and sing and muck around, and that was that wasn't deemed the way you should behave or whatever the circumstances were with your family and. And a, a question I have is, through this journey, have you rediscovered that inner child? <laughs> Absolutely. I think that I think it's one of the reasons why I went into my first career, because I used to be a stage manager. So I used to work in t- TV and theatre, and I think it was, um, a, it was a brilliant outlet to be an absolute idiot at the side of the stage or in the rehearsal room or very often when we were out and involved a lot of alcohol and drugs, but that's a different story. But it, it, there was a lot of time that, um, that I would just be daft and it was okay. And it was a safe environment to be okay in. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that I don't think there's me. I remember when my niece was about five, she's now in her thirties. I remember her saying to me, we were driving along and we were heading towards a tunnel. So I would have been in my, early 20s and as we're heading towards this tunnel in the car I looked at her and I went quick duck so I'm driving along behind the steering wheel like this and as we get through the tunnel at the other side she's just sat and looked at me the whole way and um, and I'm like what and she went auntie Jules you are silly but I do love you <laughs> and I think that pretty much most of my friends would say the same thing you're just an idiot but we love you um so I think that there's I found different ways to um, bring that out. And I think that when I shifted as well from being a coach and a speaker 
and actually just showed up as me. That was so different. That was, you know, pulling goofy faces, doing silly voices, all of that kind of stuff, which I'll do in any presentation now. Um, That's me being me. Whereas before I thought I had to learn how to be a speaker and I had to learn how to be a coach with my script and keep it all. Whereas now I'm just like, yeah, if I fuck up, I fuck up. And I'll just make fun of it. So definitely <laughs> a very long-winded answer. But no, yes. <laughs> that's, that's brilliant. But, but there's something you said in that as well, which I think is, you know, goes back to Elle's comment about it's kind of like the how. Because, and I loved your comment about, you know, this this can't be a linear thing. Like it, it happens at its own pace and it, it's different for everybody. And But but in a lot of the conversations that Al and I have um, with people, and, and I know that you're joining our, our group outside of this podcast um, for a chat, and you'll see that there's, there are a lot of questions that people have about the how. And I think pointing to that authenticity, like just being delightfully comfortable being you is is liberating. Um being goofy because that's just that's just the magical fabric that's woven into your into your being. And and um I think I think that's a big piece of it. So I don't know if you want to scratch at that a little bit more, but how do people embrace their authentic self? Well, I think, I think it goes back to the, you know, the, the classic quote of know thyself. And I think when I, when I first started doing public speaking, I had a quite, I, I would say a lot of people come up to me at the end of every single session and say the same thing over and over again which was, I want to do your job. I, I, I want to become a coach. And at first I was a bit, well, I had a few things go on. Initially I was like, oh, you can't steal my clients. That was definitely something that came on initially. Then, then it was more about, okay, this is, this is becoming really interesting that it's, it's happening more and more. And then I realized that it actually wasn't about the job of coach at all that they wanted. What they wanted is they wanted to be enjoying what they were doing. And that's what they were watching. They were watching somebody who was enjoying what they're doing. That's why, I mean, no disrespect, but Mick Jagger is not a sexy man. But you put him on stage with a guitar and his passion and him doing what he's doing, most women are like, yeah, okay. So, you know, it's... (laughs) It's, it's because he's present. It doesn't matter who it is, what musician or, or what artist or what sports person, when they're truly present, that's what's attractive. That's what's in, alluring. So authenticity, I think, is this, this buzzword, especially in the corporate world, that's just being thrown around. You just need to be authentic. Well, how can I be authentic in a world that if I did show up being an idiot, I would be being told to rein it in and be more professional. You know, if I was walking around the office singing, I'm walking on sunshine because that's how I felt in that moment. I was being told to shh because we've got to, you know, we've got to concentrate on what we're doing. So I think that we have to, we, we need to be very aware of what we mean by that, but we really need to know who we are. Don't be goofy. Don't try and be goofy if you're not goofy. You know, if you, if you are, 
the quiet one, then be the quiet one. Don't try and be something you're not. That's where the discomfort comes in. And I think it it's we need to get to know our true character rather than the personalities that we've adopted because we've been trying to fit into this mad, crazy world that we've been born into. But actually... I mean, my mum's, I have my baby book. Um, my ba- my mum has written in it. And basically, I think from about five months, six months, uh, I guess, I was bopping to music. And my mum so often has put, she's dancing again, still can't walk, dancing again, she still can't walk. So that's it. That's innately within me is to, is to whatever it is, I am, I find it extremely hard to be in a restaurant if there's music on because I'm, you know, I'm trying to have a conversation and I'm being drawn by the music. <laughs> but that's that's me being true to me. That's not that's not everyone has to go and be goofy and dance and sing and be an idiot. We've got to be who we are. But I think most people don't know who they are. They 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 have this these personas of, of who they think they are and who they're covering up who they think they are. So that they don't want to they don't want to go and look at who they might be because they think they are this awful person underneath. But that's that's just a different persona that you were told or made up when you were a kid. That's not who you are. You're you're way behind that. Go and ha- go and have a look deeper than that and see what those those true characteristics are that come out for you. Because I'm really interested in this idea of like know thyself. And to what degree that we can do that or how people might interpret it. So for the reason why it is quite triggering for me is that like when people would say to me, um, you know, who are you or be your authentic self? I'd be like, I haven't got a fucking clue what you mean by that. Because I, I'd be like, well, and because to me, it, it always looks like trying to show up in the right way in the right different situations. And then I remember in a Michael Neal, um, again, it just seems to be, well, maybe it's because where we met, but Michael has got this great um, little piece where he talks about, you know, in Scooby-Doo, the way that they they take, take off the mask and like, oh my God, it's Mr. Smith from the library that was killing everybody or whatever. And he'd be like, you know, people go, <gasps> and he said, you know, but eventually when you take off all the masks, you, you get down to your, you know, you get down to your true self. And it used to frighten the life out of me because I've been thinking, I have no idea what's behind the final mask. So I'm really interested if someone said to you, well, okay, like, who are you? How you'd answer it. Like, I have my answer now, So, I, but I'm interested to hear how you would answer it if someone said, oh, okay, so who are you? My question, I think, back would be, do you want to know who I think I am or what I am? Oh, I want to know both straight away (laughs) so you can start wherever you want. So I, I think that who I am is a bunch of descriptions because who is an identification so therefore it's a bunch of descriptions which i could i could say my name i could say where i was born i could say you know all of these different things that i perceive as who i am but none of them are who i am because if i woke up if i'd had some god awful accident and i woke up and i had completely lost my memory i would still be there 
but I would have no recollection of that I liked cheese and dancing and singing and being goofy. I would have no recollection of those things. So therefore, they are not who I am. That is, that's how I'm showing up right now. But I can't honestly answer the what I am because I haven't got rid of all of the who I am to see what I am. And the way that, that I would, and it's really interesting this has come up because I've been thinking about this today um, around the phrase of know thyself and that I don't know where, where, where it's inscripted. I believe it's in over the, the, the doorway in Delphi that whether it's got a little S or a big S because I think that the who you are is a little less. It's the little self. It's all the different descriptions, brother, sister, bro, you know, aunt, uncle, all the different job titles, all of that, that, that dynamics, all descriptions about, you know, I'm a good one of them or a bad one of them. That's all comes under that little self. But I think the know, the know, know thyself is a capital S because it's, it's the big, it's the, as in Michael's terms, it would be the diamond. It's, it's the, it's the bit that's there. And one of the best ways I've heard this described, I don't know if you've ever read Michael Singer, but in, in, I think in both of his books at the beginning, he talks about if you've got a photo of who you were when you were three, who you were when you were 15, and then who you are now, and you remembered looking at yourself at those ages into the mirror, obviously you can see from the photo that that representation of you has changed each time. So who's left? Who was, who was there at the beginning and who's there still now? What, what's that? And I can pontificate, I can make stuff up to sound smart or whatever, but I would not be being truthful because I haven't got a, um, I've had very, very small glimpses of it, but it's not been an abiding experience for me to go, that's it. Is it a feeling? I'll tell you why I asked that question is because, because uh, like you, I don't know that I would necessarily have a great answer if somebody said, oh, you know, who are you or what are you? What are you? I'd probably say, well, I'm just divine energy and form like everybody else. That that would be my probably go-to. But But going back to the thing about know thyself, when I find myself getting caught up in my thinking and attaching to the wrong things and whether it's anxiety or just that, just that weird feeling where you just know this is not feeling good. And then however I do it, and we're all different, going back to that place of quiet and that awareness, um, it's a feeling for me. Uh, and I feel like when I'm being authentic and I'm being true to myself, I definitely can feel it. Um, whereas I don't necessarily would be able to explain what was going on, but I can feel it. And it feels great because when I'm being authentic and just not getting caught up in my thinking, it feels Awesome. I personally move away from the word feeling only because it's used in so many different contexts that it can, for me, it muddies the water of what I'm talking about. Um, but for me, it's more, I would describe it as a knowing. And I think that's, I think that's the thing that. Knowing. Yeah. Yeah. 
When I was five, I remember being sat on the toilet and my dad came up the stairs along the corridor and I had the door open, as you do when you're five. And uh, I remember saying to him, Dad, what happens when you die? And he put his hand around the bathroom door and he pulled the light switch on and he said, that's when you're alive. And then he pulled the light switch again. And he said, and that's when you're dead. Okay. And I went, okay. And he went off. That was the extent of the answer. And I remember having such a depth of knowing that's not true. I couldn't have articulated it any other way than that. I just knew that wasn't true. I didn't know what, what was the truth, but I knew that that wasn't it. I knew that was an answer, but it wasn't it. And so that, that for me is it's more of a knowing. My coach says, my, I call him my coach, but he's more of a spiritual teacher that we've discussed numerous times, especially when it's difficult, why do you come back on the calls? Why do you come back on the calls? And I'm like, I don't know, but I know I have to. I can't point to why I'm coming on the calls, but I know it's important for me to be there. So for me, that would be, that would be the word I would use is, is more of it. It's a knowing, which isn't anything to do with knowledge. Yeah. No, I love that. I love that actually. I'm, I'm, I'm going to stop referring to it. As <laughs> <laughs> it is a knowing. No, it is. It, it yeah. absolutely is a knowing. And it's. Yeah. Well, that because it, because to me, there's a, a, a sense of certainty with it. Because because there's an uh, there's an alignment. Uh, as, um, I only ever work with a handful of, of young people, and I was working with one on Saturday, and she had had a really difficult phone call that morning with an ex partner, and she said, "I knew it was going to be hard to say what I wanted to say because it was her putting boundaries in place for the first time and sticking with them, but she just kept indicating with her hands, her lower belly, and going, but I just knew it was the right thing to do.'" So we had this conversation around it and, and the word that came out for her was, was when she's having that knowing is, that's when I know I'm in alignment. It might not be easy, it might not be comfortable, but I'm in alignment with what's right for me in that moment. And I thought that was really beautiful. She's only 20, I was really very smart. Yeah, out of the mouth of babes. Um, but isn't, like what I'm hearing in all of this is the blowing up of one of the biggest illusions which is the idea that that identity is true like that there is a who you are any of us and you know this is where like for me that trying to get break things down to as simple as possible if someone said well how does anyone show up as themselves and i think what you've both just been discussing there would be um listening to your knowing or whatever, like I've got a, a, a client who calls it her inkling. And it's like, when you're operating in alignment with that, to take that word on, that's it. So if you feel like singing and dancing, you sing and dance. If you know to say, or to know, if you know to say something, then you ignore all the, but what ifs and the, Mm, how are they going to react? It's like, it doesn't matter because it's your truth. It's what's alive in you in that moment. And that's perfect for that moment. Like as when we say it's the, you know, the right thing to do or the right thing to say, it's not, it's not a universal right thing. It's no, it's right for you in that moment and no one else. And 
the reason why I say I was really curious to hear your answer, and by the way, I loved your answer, because what used to scare me was I was st- when you're living in the idea that there is a who you are, and then and you don't know that what you are is so much more than that. So when you don't know that, that your divine energy, as Mark would describe it, or when you don't know that you're so much more, you are that within which your personality lives, then when people start taking off your masks, you start running out. And I realized that's what scared me. I was like, oh, no, like if you take away the fact that I'm a leader and I'm a decision maker, and I am this and I am that. It's like you, you get scared of running out of masks when you know that actually the masks don't exist. But it's also it's clarifying as well because I think that the thinking mind says that if that mask go, goes, then I lose everything that was attached to that mask. So I lose the leadership skills, I lose the coaching skills, I lose the business skills. But actually, I don't lose the skills. I'm just losing the job title or the identification. Or So I think that that's what's really important is that you know, worst case scenario, somebody, you know, their their only child dies. They don't stop becoming a parent or being a parent, whatever that label is, because they've still got that there. It's just that there's no one calling them that in that point. And I think that, that that's, it's so many people that I notice really struggle, especially when it when it is around job titles. And that job title has changed just with somebody today and she's 68 and she was saying the thing is, is up until this point in my life, I've always had a purpose. And I said to her, have you always had a purpose or have you always had a job title? Very different. (laughs) They're not the same thing. And just because you've lost the job title doesn't mean to say you haven't got a purpose. So a whole, whole conversation around that. But I think it's really helpful that as those masks go, whatever you have whatever skill sets you had attached to those you still maintain the skill sets they're still there Mm. and you're yeah and it's like your knowing gets to use them you know your knowing your innate wisdom in any given moment can draw upon all of them because you're not that but they are part of you those things are part of you and you're like oh well i know to do this or i know to say that or i know to dance or i know to duck behind a steering wheel and tell my niece to duck behind the duck down in her car seat as well because that'll be fun and crazy and but it, but it, it's it's that whole thing of of when when we can recognize that we that that we the skills aren't attached to the mask or the identity that means that we get to use that skill in somewhere different because we've, it's not just associated with I only do it when I've got this mask on. It becomes available at any point. And that's, that's a big shift of being able to go, oh, hang on a second. I don't have to, I, can't, I don't only just use that skill at that point. I can use it anywhere where it's appropriate, where it seems like it's the right thing to do. Do you think that people also, you know, when they, when they do attach to an identity, and they have a, a sense of the me instead of the the I. Um, letting go of that is scary because it means you have to go and find the next version of the me, the next set of identities that make sense, that allow you to make sense of the world. And 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 you don't want to acknowledge the incongruity of it all. So you're like, 
no, 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 no. I'm, I'm sticking with that, thanks, because I've just sort of figured it out. It's still not 100% comfortable, but I've kind of figured it out, so I'm sticking with that. Yeah, that's, that's why a lot of people run away from doing this kind of work, because, you know, don't, don't force this mask off me. I'm used to this mask. I know what outcomes I get, which may not be great, mm. but at least I know what they are. I'd rather stick with the habits that I have. But it's, um, so there's three versions of us that we talk about. We've got me, myself, and I. Della Soul had it correct, right? Me, myself, and I. How I perceive it is me is this thing. So it's the body. Because we talk about my arm, my hair, my leg, my nose, whatever. It's just in the same way that we talk about my glass, my car, my phone. So it's the same thing. So that's the me. The eye is this elusive thing that we're talking about, this knowing that we're, we're dipping toward. But the bit I think that's getting in the way is the myself, which is the description of. So when people want to hold on to that identification and hold on to those things, they assume, and the thinking mind assumes, that if that goes, I'm going to die. Because there's so many things that are wrapped up within there that give us certainty, that give us the illusion that, that we are, um, we're safe and that anything outside of that is not safe, when actually it's just just a description. That's all it is, is a description. I'm going to try something dangerous here. So another way of saying that is we're a bag of bones. At our core, we're divine energy in form. But somewhere in between there's a whole bunch of stories or narratives that we cling to to f- to justify or fill the space um, between the bag of bones and the divine energy simply being exactly what they are. I had someone describe it as a food suit recently, which I thought was quite funny. <laughs> food suit. It's a food suit. Yeah. But yeah, I think I think there is I think there is a lot of a lot of things that are, that are truthful in what you've said there. Is it you know, it, it's this it's it's stories, it's descriptions, it's stuff goes goes back to the word that Al used earlier of conditioning. It's other people's stuff. It, we just keep taking all of these things on board that we we think this is who I am. I am annoying. I, ha- I, w- I, I believe that I was annoying. So, you know, all of those things that we keep adding on and adding on, that we assume that that's who we are, and then we build up another mask. I want to hide the annoyance, so I'll be the overly funny one, or whatever it may be, to ch- kind of cover that up. So we assume if that mask goes, then the annoyance one is going to come forward. But actually, the, 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 the work that we do is, is about, you no know, drop put all the masks down, and let's just see what's really there. There's a really beautiful document, well, I say beautiful, it's not easy to watch at all, but it's amazing as part of this conversation. On Netflix, it's called Tell Me Who I Am. I don't know if you've watched it. So it's about uh, some twin brothers. It's a, it's a true documentary, and um, one of them, when he was 18, was in a car accident and woke up with full amnesia, other than the only person he knew in the room was his brother. Full family there, he had no idea and to this day has no memory of his his upbringing. And what's interesting as it unfolds is there's obviously something that happens significantly as as children 
that the brother who has the memory is not only hiding it from his brother, but he's suffering. Whereas the one that doesn't remember it isn't suffering at all. Yet he physically experienced the same things. And it's a really interesting thing to look at, well, what happens if, we, if, we, if those memories are put down, those stories are put down, those masks are put down, how do, how do I show up in the world? Yeah, without the accumulations. Mm. Yeah. And the rules and the judgments. and. Wow. We have this uh, quirky little thing that we do, and we say, if you could write a bumper sticker for life and, and stick it on the back of your car, uh, what would your bumper sticker for life be? I, th- I think I've already shared it, actually. Be kind with what you find. I thought that might be it, but I love that. Because I think, I think for me, that's not only about the internal work, but also when you show up and you meet someone for the first time, be kind with what you find because you don't know what's gone in the background for them. You don't know what might have happened that morning or 10 years ago that they're still chewing over. So be kind with what you find and start from that place and let's see what happens. Close us out, Billows. All right. Well, Jules, um, thank you so much. This is, I can't believe that's like 50, 50 minutes, 51 minutes. That's crazy. It's just flown by, but it's absolutely wonderful to meet you and, um, and hear your story. And I love some of the things that you just blew up, um, <laughs> which is fantastic. Um, and yeah, thank you so much. It's been awesome. Absolute pleasure. Thank you for inviting me both.